Join us for a night of fine dining and entertainment as we announce the 2022 40 Under 40 winners. Running since 2002, the 40 Under 40 Awards program continues to recognise 40 of the state's leading entrepreneurs, innovators and future business leaders under the age of 40. Help us celebrate the exceptional young business achievers that are defining the future of our great state. Tickets available now at businessnews.com.au slash events. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business, a daily podcast hosted by Business News. First, here's the news you need to know today. Premier Mark McGowan has tested positive to COVID-19 today after having a second PCR test while isolating at his Rockingham home. In a statement released this morning, Mr McGowan said he would now extend his quarantine period until at least next Thursday. On Tuesday, the Premier became a close contact of a family member with the virus and began seven days of isolating. The Premier was expected to be campaigning with Federal Labor leader Anthony Albanese this week, but now both politicians have been struck down with COVID. Mr Albanese announced late yesterday that he too had tested positive and was now housebound for at least seven days. His colleagues have said that Labor was preparing for the possibility of a COVID-interrupted campaign and that Mr Albanese would still be getting his message out and doing interviews from home. It comes as WA recorded a dip in daily COVID cases today, but a rise in the number of hospitalisations. WA Health reported 8,777 new COVID cases overnight, bringing the total number of active cases in the state to 42,613. But there are now 258 people with COVID-19 in hospital, nine of whom are currently being treated in ICU. Five historical COVID-related deaths were also reported overnight, including a woman in her 50s, a man in his 60s, a man and a woman in their 80s and a woman in her 90s. And the state government has agreed to stump up an extra $26.9 million for businesses affected by its upcoming native logging ban, bowing to pressure from the state's peak forestry body. During a press conference this afternoon, Forestry Minister Dave Kelly confirmed the state government would revise its business transition program following negotiations with the state's Forest Industries Federation. The program will include an industry restructure payment to support diversification efforts or business exiting the industry and will offer sawmills and harvesters up to $225,000 for redundancy payments, site cleanup and equipment reimbursement. The package is on top of the $50 million transition fund for workers, businesses and communities affected by the ban, which was originally struck following negotiations with the Australian Workers' Union back in February. The new deal is a win for FIFWA, but Chief Executive Adele Farina confirmed it did not go as far as the industry body and its members would have liked. She said she hoped the rollout of the program would be prompt, highlighting that affected businesses had a difficult 18 months ahead, forced to choose between whether to remain in the industry or end their current contracts as workers leave the industry en masse. The opposition labelled the announcement tokenistic, with forestry spokesperson Steve Martin saying it demonstrated how little effort the state government had actually put into the transition group and its subgroups. And in a pre-budget spending spree, the McGowan government 
government will throw $114 million at the besieged Department of Communities Child Protection Division. The department has been under scrutiny ever since former Deputy Director General Paul White was first arrested on corruption charges and then jailed after pleading guilty to stealing $27 million from his employer across more than a decade. Child Protection Minister Simone McGurk, who has been under pressure to respond to serious concerns, said $75 million would be used to employ an extra 36 new protection officers and create early intervention and family support services. Last month, the union representing child protection staff threatened a strike in protest at the shortage of caseworkers and the level of burnout being experienced within the department. At the time, Ms McGurk said her government had already increased staffing levels and the department was getting good results. The minister has also come under fire after a department employee's home was raided by police on suspicion internal documents raising issues of dysfunction had been leaked to the media. We'll be right back. We understand that business relies on being informed. That's why Business News is your most reliable source of news, industry insights and business connections. To stay fully informed, we encourage you to subscribe to our emails, flick through our magazine and visit businessnews.com.au for daily news updates. It's the best way to ensure you have the information you need to be future ready. Business News. More news, more insights, more connections. Hello to our listeners. It's Matt McKenzie standing in for Jordan Murray. And I'm joined by business news journalist Jacinta Burton. How are you, Jacinta? I'm well. And how are you doing that? I'm feeling stronger, feeling better. I'm improving. We've had a fascinating week. A little like the state, maybe? Well, the state has had a fascinating week now that our Premier has got COVID. Yes, but that's not the topic for today. Yeah, there is a lot of talk about how well WA is currently doing. I mean, unemployment in WA is at the lowest level it has been in many years at 3.4%. But Matt, I'm curious to know what you think. Do you think it's going to stay close to record lows or is there a risk that it might increase? I think there is a risk that it might increase and uh, I'm probably going to be a little bit controversial when I say this and maybe I'm going to be a little bit contrarian, but sometimes that's what I like to do. Certainly on this podcast, we're a little bit contrarian when we talked about inflation and uh, maybe now in April 2022, it's uh, it's certainly been a problem. Look, I read something the other day. It was very interesting talking about job vacancies being higher than the number of people unemployed in WA. Um, which is a very unusual thing. And I think it depends on exactly what sort of data you might use. But the trend is very clear that there's a lot of job vacancies, there's a lot of labour demand. And unemployment, I mean, it was 3.4%. It's 4% nationally. Uh, In WA, the labour force participation rate, so this is the people who are either in work or looking for work, close to 70%. So very, very high. Um, And it is an unusually strong labour market. There seems to be a sense that this is almost going to be a permanent fixture in the years ahead. Um, And I'm not sure that it is, actually. Uh, And it's because of the fact that we're living in now a bit of an inflationary environment. And what we need to be thinking about, I mean, there's a few different reasons why unemployment might start to rise in maybe a year or two years or even three years. And people might say, well, interest rates will be going up. They'll be talking about the commodity price cycle might turn. These are fair points. Um, You might also say that we're expecting a deluge of foreign workers to be 
flying in from everywhere around the world to get jobs in the home building construction industry, or at least that's what we were told was going to happen as soon as we reopened the borders. And perhaps Jacinta, that's why all the bags were piled up at Perth Airport all the weekend, because there's just so many people here trying to get jobs. But I digress. The thing that people are not talking about is that when you have an environment where inflation is accelerating, where inflation is rising, where inflation is higher than expectations, you get an environment where a lot of businesses are incentivized to start hiring workers um, to be very bullish in their labor demand, but it's not something that actually lasts long term. It's not something that actually becomes permanent. Um, so to think about it like this, there have been a lot of businesses in Perth, there have been a lot of executives here and probably many other places around the world. Their boardroom doors have been smashed by torrents of cash um, in the past year in particular. Um, and every one of them, of course, always ascribes it to the being a reflection of their own genius when perhaps sometimes it is just good business. But a lot of the time uh, it's a reflection of the fact that we're working in an inflationary environment and there's been a lot of government stimulus. And so it means that businesses have been very bullish in hiring workers, but it's not clear that that's going to continue if inflation starts to stabilize. And a great example for centre would be in construction. Absolutely. That's a sector that's benefited from a lot of government stimulus. Take us through how that would apply. Construction is a, is a good example. And I'm not saying that this is just happening in construction. I think this is going to be happening more widely in the economy. Perhaps not in every industry will there be the severe impact from construction. Like if you have a house, if you borrow money to build a house and you've got a concrete slab on the ground for 12 months and nothing happens, uh, it would be it's a pretty frustrating. It's a massive impact on your life. Um, whereas, you know, if uh, a restaurant has to shut for, you know, shuts one more day or two more days in order to get their costs down, you may not necessarily notice. So um, home building is the one that grabs the public's imagination. And we know what's happened. Jacinta, we know what's happened. You and I have both written about it. Our readers know what's happened. Um, a lot of companies have been signing on contracts thinking, again, there's been torrents of cash coming through their doors. But what people haven't been thinking about is the impact on the cost side of the equation. Um, and they haven't been thinking about or they haven't been able to predict the fact that, well, everybody's um, signing these contracts. Everybody's going to need workers. Everybody's going to need bricks. Everybody's going to need the trucks that move the bricks to the site. Everybody's going to be needing steel and all the rest of it. And with a lot of these commodities like steel, PVC pipes, copper, that's an international or a worldwide phenomenon. Um, just here in Perth, of course, the big thing has been the labor shortage. But that's also been a problem in other places around the world as well, where they have labor shortages. So what all of this means is people have expected high levels of revenue to come in. But what they've not expected is that costs would be higher than what they first predicted. And the same thing is going to be happening in other industries, too. As I said, perhaps the effects won't be as devastating. But think about airlines. If you're an airline business and you signed, you know, you sold someone a flight in December for a few months time. Well, guess what? Your costs have gone up, your aviation fuel price have gone up, your staff and your wages, your labor starting to go up. This is going to be an ongoing trend for businesses. Um, their costs are going to be going up as the revenue did. Um, and suddenly it's not so profitable anymore to be making some of the decisions that have been made. And suddenly people are not going to be increasing their output as much as they thought. And Matt, are there some basic economic principles that actually back this up? Yeah, this is something, I mean, you know, you go right back to first year economics at university. People talk about price surprises, which in plain English means inflation or price rises. 
Um, and they talk about what the impact is of a price surprise, and they talk about how it means labor demand is going to be higher temporarily than you might otherwise think, um, and unemployment is going to be lower temporarily than you might otherwise think. But once the wage cost starts to go up and the other costs in the economy start to go up, once people realize that the high levels of revenue they get or the higher levels of revenue they get are reflecting an inflationary environment and not actually more demand for their product, you see labor demand starts to back off a bit. And it's a process that can take a couple of years even, um, but the labor demand starts to back off a bit um, and unemployment starts to rise. And this gets to an interesting point um, to center. And I think there was, a, there was an article in ABC about this recently. It goes back to this principle in economics of the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment. Yeah, well, on this topic, Matt, this is a controversial topic in economics. Commentators argue about what the full employment rate of unemployment might be. There's one position that the federal government should keep running big deficits in a bid to try to continue to drive down unemployment. But would this be an effective strategy? Yeah, I'm not sure that it is a very convincing strategy. And I think there's a there's three reasons to think about. Uh, one of them is when we say the unemployment rate is 4%, not all of that is long-term unemployed. So if there's you know 50,000 people uh, that are unemployed in the state or 60,000, in 12 months time, it won't be the even if the number is the same, it won't be the same 50,000 or 60,000 people. Um, I think there was some numbers from the Reserve Bank that said the, the long-term unemployment rate, so that's over like a year, is only about 20%. Um, I saw a more recent number from last year that suggested it was about 25%. But regardless, when you have unemployment of 4 or 5%, a big chunk of that is turning over all the time. And it's important to remember, these are not people who are on new start payments. These are just people who are looking for work. So if you leave a job because you don't like your boss or you want to spend a few months doing something else, um, and then you come back and you start looking for work, you'd be counted as unemployed. So this is um, a factor in there. So a good portion of unemployment is not long-term unemployment. So it's not clear to me how spending more money would fix that problem. Uh, and then when it comes to people who are long-term unemployed, it's not clear to me how government spending creates jobs for them either, because it depends on what your skill set is. Um, now, if you were skilled as, you know, for example, as an operator in the tourism business, in the tourism industry, um, all of that construction and infrastructure stimulus back in 2020 didn't help you at all. Or if you're living in a particular area, it doesn't help if the government's going to go and build a road in a marginal electorate a few hundred kilometres away or whatever else. So, it's not exact. It's not clear to me how increasing um, government spending, unless it was in some way particularly targeted. Now, people might talk about retraining workers, which is always an important thing, but that does take a long time to do. So it's not clear how increasing the deficit further would reduce this long term unemployment. And by the way, just something to think about before the pandemic, unemployment was, you know, five point something percent, six percent at different times before the pandemic. And the government had close to a budget balance. Now there's deficits of about $80 billion, a very, very substantial increase, and unemployment has come down nationally to be 4%. So for all of that extra spending, the, the impact on reducing unemployment over the medium term, not very substantial. So it's not clear how that fixes the problem. And then the, the third part, and this is the most important thing, I keep reading articles where people say, oh, economists have overestimated the full employment rate of employment. And they thought it was five, but actually now we know it must be lower or whatever. 
And again, it, it's ascribing that all of these unemployed people, if, even if they're only unemployed for a few months, are unemployed because of a lack of government spending. That's the whole argument, basically. And the argument is, well, if you overestimate what that full employment rate of unemployment is, that you're going to, you're going to end up with high levels of unemployment permanently. But to the, what, what I would say in response to that, and this is a lesson we might start to learn around the world right now, is that if you underestimate what the full employment level is, and you go past it, then pretty soon you start to get inflation. And if you do start to get into that situation and the inflation rate goes up, getting inflation under control is very difficult. If the inflation rate starts to go higher, that's a permanent thing. It's not something that you can easily adjust. Whereas if you have temporarily, uh, if you temporarily get unemployment under this full employment rate, it will naturally start to gravitate back to full employment anyway because of the things we talked about earlier, because of the fact that business is going to be dealing with higher costs and wage pressures and realizing that demand isn't as high as they thought. And this is a natural thing that goes on in the economy. So for all of these reasons, I think it's very, very fortunate right now in WA that we've got such low unemployment and hopefully it continues for years to come. But I think there are risks that we should be thinking about. And there are reasons that that rate in a year or two years or three might start to go back up again, even if the economy continues to be strong and even if we continue to get inflation at about the same rate, Jacinta. Well, thanks, Matt. That was some very interesting analysis. No worries, JB. It's always a joy with you. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to e-editions, articles by category, as well as our advanced data and insights search function to find projects, people and companies. It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au slash app, download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. This podcast was brought to you by Optus Stadium. Now taking orders for your next breakfast or lunch meeting. If you like what you've heard, head to our Spotify page to like and subscribe. New episodes of At Close of Business are available every day in time for our afternoon wrap. I'm Jordan Murray. See you tomorrow.